This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the director for HBO's White House Plumbers, David Mandel. Howard! It's the White House. Howard Hunt. Howard, the president asked for a real son of a bitch to handle this Pentagon leak. What do you need? I want you to meet Gordon Liddy. Toughest guy I know. He'll hold his hand in the flame of a candle. I do not bend, and I do not break. What's the trick? There's one. Gets third degree burns every time. Please stop. David, first of all, congratulations on the new show, White House Plumbers. I had a chance to watch all five episodes of the new miniseries. Yes, so I'm all caught up with it, and I had a great time uh, watching it. First of all, um, I want to ask, we've seen this story before told from other perspectives. From Yeah, and and so this time around, we're seeing the point of view of – the, the perpetrators, the villains, if you will. So can you talk to me first about how do you go about humanizing sure. uh, these infamous characters who we've heard so much about over the years? I'm going to say two things. If this, I'm going to answer your second. Your, I'm going to answer your main question second, but I wanted, this is what I was going to say. One of the things that's funny about, because I am a fan, I am a consumer of all Watergate stories. You know, give me all the president's men, give me, Dick, you know what I mean? I, I love them all. Do you know what I mean? I, I enjoy mm-hmm. the milieu. Um, so what I was going to say is the one thing that's very funny to me that in every one of those shows, there's always the moment of like the flashlights at the water at the Watergate and the tape on the door and, you know, the security guard making the phone call or on the walkie talkie. That's in every Watergate show ever. There's not a Watergate show that doesn't have it. And yet these guys, these guys who did the deed, maybe you hear their names. Sometimes they're just referred to as the burglars. Sometimes they're the Cubans. They've never been in a story. So you're absolutely right. There've been all these people telling these stories, but these were the guys that did it. And I think what was so important about that perspective is It's this idea in America these days, to me, it's the birth of almost like this true believerism, these guys that put the president so much on a pedestal that they were willing to do not just illegal things, but things that actually hurt themselves, hurt their families, because they thought the president had their back or was with them or something. Yeah. And of and course- And hurt the integrity of the nation, ultimately. Yes. And it's this crazy thing of hurt the integrity of the nation. It's like breaking the law in the name of protecting the law, but also in the in the, the ramifications, because it's sometimes hard to talk about the honor of our country or the trust, trust was broken. But sometimes it's better to almost be able to zero in and go, 
oh my God, look at what happened to these families. Like, look at the, the human collateral damage of just the perpetrator, the, the families of the actual burglars. And so to me, it's this opportunity to tell the whole story in a way it was never been told, to zoom in on these guys that have never had their day in the sun, who were a part of all of it. And then let's go one step further. They're not good guys. They do break the law. And I don't necessarily want you to sympathize with them. I don't want you to come out of this and go, God, I love those guys. I want to hang out with them. But I do want you to understand them a little bit and maybe feel bad for them a little bit and maybe empathize a little bit, which is always very difficult to empathize with bad people. But that was the goal a little bit, that there are times where you you think about joining them a little bit. And I, I that was, you know, one of the challenges that I, I was very sort of methodical and sort of attacking in a good way. And part of the way that you do that is through brilliant casting. You bring on actors who are immensely likable and get you to rally yes. to their side. Bad people. I mean, good actor, great actors and likable actors playing the worst people in the world obviously helps. And so Absolutely. when you start, and yes, Woody Harrelson is this piece of garbage father and Justin Thoreau may or may not be a Nazi. Well, it's Woody and Justin a little bit, you know what I mean? And it, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I want to ask because you've worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Veep, uh, here, the visual like aesthetic and presentation of White House Plumbers is more akin to what you would typically see on a non-comedy show presented by HBO, more sure. like a dark drama. But you also uh, frame it through a lot of slapstick comedy. There's a lot of handheld work going on with the camera that's tracking the actors, whether they're improvising or whatever it is that they're doing uh, to get these very funny moments. Uh, can you just talk to me a little bit about your approach sure. to how you wanted to shoot this series? Yeah. Um, well, I'll start with just big picture. And I think I said this before. I, to me, it was a, a funny tragedy. So let's just start with that as a concept. But at the same time, and again, I don't mean this in a bad way against Veep or Curb Your Enthusiasm, which obviously I loved and I loved, you know, in that world. But obviously that's a very specific, you know, that sort of pseudo documentary look. And I, mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved, you know, playing in that world and stretching it. But going into this, I very much was treating it, even though it's five episodes, I was treating it like a movie. And what's more, at the end of the day, it is the tragedy. You will laugh. The laughs will be sometimes early on kind of fun. And then later on, they are horrifying and sort of inappropriate and terrible. And yet, but you will laugh like in real life. And so I wanted to ground this as the drama it is, but also, dare I say, with a little bit of a nod to the great 70s movies that deal, like obviously all the President's Men, but Parallax View and all of those. Yeah. And the 70s movies that 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 traffic in the world of conspiracy and darkness and all of that. And to me, when it is funny and why it works is because it's earned. And what I mean by that is there are not a lot of written jokes. The things that are in there are coming out of situations, character, character meeting situations. And yet at all times, these guys are on mission. They're trying to do what Nixon wants. They're trying to do it. And the story we are telling 
is that story of how these guys broke the law, how they broke into Ellsberg psychiatrist's office, how they made Dita Beard go away, how they broke into the Watergate, how they turned on each other. I mean, this these are those are the stakes. That's the story I'm telling. And that is the look of the film. And yet at the same time, like a lot of the handheld happens, for example, in the Hunt household. And I'm using mm -hmm. that to capture, if you will, yes, there is comedy there, but it is also just that the 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 the, the way his family is falling apart around him and it's this thing that he can't control and the the chaos of his troubled daughter and his druggy son and the wife that's sort of slipping away from him and he knows better and so again using handheld there but using it hopefully differently than just a you know a curb episode but there's a reason in a perfect world there's a reason for everything um and to try and create something that doesn't necessarily look like it was made in the 70s but is a our modern version of it, if that hopefully makes any sense. <laughs> no, totally. I, I saw the uh, visual inspiration from uh, some of those things that you listed yeah. uh, before. Totally. I could see that coming through. And uh, final question here. Yeah. Um, Don't you know that you're a I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. Right. <laughs> I guess really what what I'm curious about knowing is, w was there room to, I mean, I, I assume the answer is yes, but I'm, I'm assuming there was room to, for imp improvisation and play sort of loose with the facts uh, in terms of these guys' personalities and let their characters shine to get those comedic moments uh, a bit more. Can you just talk to me a little bit about like the challenges of shooting comedy in this kind of grounded approach versus... Uh, how you would normally do it in something like Veep or Curb? Sure. Look, there are times where, you know, with like Curb, like like Curb or Veep, and by the way, Veep, you know, where like on an improv, like we would do a scene and then on the back end of the scene, you know, where, you know, whatever, you know, Selena's going to say she hates, you know, like this job is so terrible, it's blank. And I might try... I've got four that I've just gotten from me and the writers and we punched up and now, hey, try this. And I'm literally behind right. the camera just yelling things to Julia and having her try stuff. And then sometimes on Curb, we might just go the other way and whisper something in like um, J.B. Smooth's ear. Like I remember years ago, sort of like, uh, it was something about like, oh, what was it? It was like, it was something like, you don't know what that word means. Like it was something like that. Now, what he did with that he takes it to his own place. And obviously that's improv. We didn't do that on this. There weren't okay. the jokes to punch up. There weren't those things. That being said, you know, there was the, you want, we, once we had these characters and who they were like any great sort of, I'll call it a rehearsal process, but sometimes the rehearsal process is on camera mm -hmm. you're using your takes 
to play with things. Like try, like I'll give you a really interesting example. And again, it's not even a comedic example, but going into the big scene um, on the bench in uh, in front of the uh, the Lincoln Memorial in episode three, mm-hmm. where where you know Hunt doesn't want to go in and Liddy is you know sort of pleading with him, like that became a very emotional scene for both of them. On yeah. some ways, Liddy. You know, I was talking earlier about like lets his guard down and maybe you get a little sense of like his damage in a way. And Hunt, there's a real sense of he knows it's wrong to go back in, but he's going to go anyway for Gordon, even though on some level he knows it's wrong. Now, on the page, and I don't this is not a bad thing. On the page, it was a simpler scene. It was almost like Liddy convincing him, you should do it, and him going, yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, it was that simple. And that's where it started, because that's Mm -hmm. what was on the page. But I had always felt like there was this other level to it, and that when Liddy is talking about Hunt and how people were disrespecting him. He's not talking about Hunt. He's talking about himself. So this is not an example for, I know it's not exactly where you started with the question of how did we make it so funny? But as we worked through it, all of a sudden there's an emotional rawness that comes through in Justin's performance, which of course allows Woody to want to help him and but knows it's wrong. And then all of a sudden you're somewhere because again, it's that's that's my job. I don't know what right. else to say. And so that's the other way, if I may, if that may, if that helps, where we played, we played all the time because you're always looking to dig deeper. And I'm always looking for the reality of a scene. And if the reality can be funny, that's great. But what we weren't doing was we weren't punching it up. We weren't cutting mm-hmm. jokes. And in fact, the one or two times we might have tried to do that in places most of it ended up on the cutting room floor because when I got in the edit room, I could feel it trying to be funny, which to me is the crime. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want it to be funny, but I never want it to try to be funny because it's a drama. It's a tragedy. And I, I, anyway, that's sort of a tautology, if you will. But I hope that I hope that's an answer. Yeah. Nope. That totally did. Um, I want to thank you very much for oh your gosh, time here you today. So uh, and, and thank uh, you for your you... questions, especially the one about the look. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, for what it's worth, I'm so proud of the what, what I was able to kind of put together look wise, and had an incredible DP, uh, Stephen Meisler, incredible uh, production designer, Anastasia White, and just so much of these were things we talked so much about before we ever even got to the set with the actors. You know, so yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, no, I really appreciate the insight. Truly. Uh, can you just let us know what you have coming up next in the future so we know what to look forward to from you? I've got the Writers Guild strike, I think. Um, no, I, you know, I don't have an answer. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to put this to bed and hope I get to work again. I don't really have a good answer. Yeah, I've got ideas. I've got a lot of ideas. I just hopefully somebody is legally allowed to hear them at, at that point. So, yeah. Well, hopefully this will open up a, a yeah. door with a piece of tape yeah. on the if not, uh, exactly, totally, exactly. That's the hope. Yeah. And if not then, but maybe in a year, we'll see what happens with the strike. But yeah, no, I don't know what's going on but i i hope to more yes more to come is the answer. absolutely thank you so much once again <laughs> hey, have thanks a so great much. rest Appreciate of your day take care hey everyone thank you so much for listening to my interview with the director for the new hbo miniseries david mandel here on the next best picture podcast white house plumbers is up for your consideration for this year's emmy awards and has episodes airing weekly on hbo from may 1st until may 29th 
You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For a $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.